Next on BYU Sports Nation, Cougar football facing early season adversity with the suspension of linebacker Spencer Hadley. Former all-conference defender David Nixon tells us how it will affect Saturday's rivalry game with Utah and which BYU player needs to step up as a result. 2006 Mountain West Conference Offensive Player of the Year, John Beck. Joe Beck recounts the throwback to Harleen. He'll join us live for a breakdown of Saturday's showdown between the Cougars and Utes. Plus, Cougars in the NFL, Brian Kill of the Washington Redskins tells us why BYU will beat Utah on Saturday. And what's the toughest part about playing in the National Football League? This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. It is Wednesday, September 18th. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside Jerem Jordan, wherever and however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. To open today's show, regarding the suspension of BYU linebacker Spencer Hadley, I quote the official release from BYU Athletic Communications. BYU head football coach Bronco Mendenhall today announced senior linebacker Spencer Hadley has been suspended indefinitely from the team due to a violation of team rules. Now, in addition to that quote, BYU University spokes, uh, spokesperson J- Kerry Jenkins released this statement. Quote, the university has determined there was a violation of the honor code, resulting in a five-game suspension, during which time Spencer will not represent the university. Spencer will remain in school this semester and is working with the dean of students. End quote. Okay, we know this much. Spencer will not play against Utah, Middle Tennessee, Utah State, Georgia Tech, or Houston. He has an opportunity to return by the Boise State game, but that is not guaranteed. That's an internal matter that will be handled with the coaches and, most importantly, Bronco Mendenhall. I know Spencer Hadley. He's a really nice guy. Genuine in his demeanor. His teammates support him. Saw a picture with Michael Elise last night that said, in a roundabout way, we love him, we support him, we're there for him. Sometimes good people make mistakes. And I'm guessing nobody hurts more right now than Spencer Hadley. And here's the thing. BYU is a unique place. Principles matter more than a win on the football field. And BYU is a unique place. And uh, as Kerry Jenkins mentioned, there was an honor code violation. We don't know what it is. Uh, to me, that doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that Spencer, it's disappointing because Spencer Hadley is a really good player. And BYU's going to miss him in that linebacking core. And coming up, we'll chat with David Nixon about what BYU does schematically to replace him. Uh, they, in fall camp, BYU mixed up its linebacker crew to get, make sure that Alani Fu got on the field. And Spencer Adley changed positions. And he was that versatile and that talented and has done a nice job for BYU. It is disappointing. But as, as we saw a couple years ago with Brandon Davies, regardless of where BYU sits athletically, and that, and that team with Brandon Davies in 2011 had a chance to go to the Final Four. They're in the Sweet 16. They go to double overtime with Florida. If they win that game, they win the next game. They're in the Final Four. But they had to do it without Brandon Davies. And so it's a minimum of five games. Bronco Mendenhall has suspended Spencer Hadley indefinitely. The university has suspended him a minimum of five games. They're working in tandem. Uh, so hopefully Spencer Adley does whatever he needs to do to get back. And uh, we, we don't have to look all the way back to Brandon Davies per se of, of how the university handles these things or, or Bronco Mendenhall and the school. If you've read the excerpts in the Deseret News in Salt Lake City or purchased the book by Jeff Benedict, The System, he talks about Kyle Van Noy and his situation prior to BYU, and it was revealed there, I didn't know this, that there was uh, another encounter with police, Kyle Van Noy got tased, R- read these if you haven't, where the university and Bronco worked out a situation that, that helped Kyle Van Noy as an individual and got him back to BYU. There is a period of redemption that needs to happen because of violations with what BYU is all about. If you come here, you know what you're getting into. And Spencer Hadley is going to have to go through this process. Yeah, plenty more to come on the Hadley fallout and his suspension. Uh, but a quick reminder, you can always listen to BYU Sports Nation on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. You can also catch the show on demand every afternoon on the BYU Radio YouTube channel. That is how you listen, and this is how you join our conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation and vote in our daily poll question. Question at BYUTVSports.com. We're going to break from the Hadley commentary for just a moment 
And Jerem is going to uh, give us quickly our poll question for the day, and then we'll get back into this topic. Today's poll question on BYUTVSports.com, and weigh in on your opinion as well uh, at BYU Sports Nation. If you could have only one, would you rather beat Utah or end the season nationally ranked? You can only have one. Beat Utah or be nationally ranked? To me, it's nationally ranked. The Utah game is really big, but it's not the season. I don't, I don't want to have a single game mean the season. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Utah. What if BYU only lost one game every year, but it was to Utah? That's another question for another day, maybe. I would be totally okay with that. I'm cool. I, I want a, a great season versus a win versus Utah. Don't get me wrong. I want both. But we're playing a little would-you-rather today. And so currently the poll results look like this. 61% beat Utah. 39% nationally ranked. An intriguing question. If we ask this in the middle of the summer, maybe it's differently. different. It's the Utah week. Yeah, exactly. We're asking it during Utah week, so that could be playing into uh, the poll results right now. And remember, BYU's lost three years in a row to Utah. Yeah, so there's a, there's a sour taste in Cougar fans' mouths right now. That's also factoring. Hey, have a voice. BYUtvsports.com. Also send us uh, your thoughts and reaction to at BYU Sports Nation. What's trending today? Well, you probably know. Spencer Hadley suspended for at least five games. Uh, statements released yesterday. And it's a huge blow to the team for many obvious reasons. We're going to focus on how the Cougars will respond on the field right now. And to do that, we bring in former BYU linebacker, former all-conference defender, David Nixon, to the show. And, and David, uh, can you just give us your initial reaction when you heard the news about Spencer being suspended for five games? Yeah, you know, my initial reaction was that uh, this is going to be a huge blow to BYU defense. Um, I think Spencer's one of those underrated players that's kind of flown underneath the radar amongst fans, but as coaches know that uh, he was an integral part of that defense um, and, and one of the main leaders on that defense. And to have him now suspended for these five games is definitely a huge blow. So uh, going forward, it'll be interesting how you know guys fill in, but no question it'll affect them. On the depth chart, it appears that Tyler Beck is going to be the guy that comes in. Manoa Pikula in the mix as well. And I know you tweeted out yesterday, uh, last night, that you wouldn't be surprised if Austin Jorgensen didn't get into the mix. Are those the three guys you think will, will possibly step into that role this Saturday? You know, I, I, yeah, I, I think Austin will be the one that moves over. They, you know, those middle linebackers and that buck linebacker, those, those two middle backers, they cross-train, and they, they know both positions really well. Um, you know, coaches, coaches make sure that uh, – you know, that they can interchange those linebackers at any given time. So um, my guess is Austin will step over. He's been a good, uh, you know, backup this season so far, coming in and kind of getting some relief duty to, uh, you know, Wani and uh, to uh, Spencer. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he steps in. Once again, I mean, Tyler could step up along with um, Manoa, but hey, I really see Austin moving over just because of his experience. He's been around the system for quite some time. I played with him back in 2008. Um, he was a good player then, and he's only gotten better. So it'll be interesting to see what the coaches decide. You know, we might see them, sh- you know, shifting guys in and out throughout the game. So, um, but it'll be interesting to see who gets to start. My guess is Austin Jorgensen. David Nixon joining BYU Sports Nation, former linebacker, former All-Conference defender for the Cougars, and current BYU TV analyst. David, listen, it's there's no way around it. Spencer Hadley is a dynamic, unique player. He's a great. Uh, in the pass, pass protection, not pass protection, but pass defense game, uh, probably the best linebacker BYU has in that regard. What other things will there be a fall off in uh, because we lose or BYU loses Spencer against Utah? Yeah, so athleticism wise, he's he's up there with some of the best that are on the team currently. Uh, but I think his leadership skills. You know, he he started last year outside linebacker. Uh, they said, look, we have a void here in the middle. We need somebody to step in. They moved him over, and he's great, made a great transition, smooth transition over, which, which is a testament to him because that's not easy to do uh, to move from outside to inside. I mean, your, your reads, your linebacker reads are completely different. When you're on the outside, you're reading the tackle, the guards, um, and you know the tight ends or whatever it may be. All of a sudden, you go to the middle. Now your eyes shift to solely the guards and the center, um, you know, and, and it's kind of a whole different game watching the pools and uh, the, the run pass reads. So it's 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 quite different. And and to see him out there, you go back and watch film on him. He's he's played tremendously this this year, kind of uh, with his new role. So 
um, you know, athletically, the, the void's going to be there. But I think most, more than anything is going to be his leadership ability. He's been around the system for quite some time. He was a very vocal leader, um, a guy that got out there and kind of rallied the troops. So uh, I think that's what will be missed the most. And, you know, I, I think the players will feel it whenever they get, you know, a backup in there that, uh, you know, is a little more timid and, and doesn't have the experience to really speak for himself. That It might be tough for the, you know, the fellow teammates to, to rally around. But, you know, you have Kyle Van Noy to step up. I know uh, Waniunga has has really played a great role this year as, as a team captain. You know, voted by his teammates, along with uh, his play, has been outstanding. So, you know, the guys will step up and and, and rally around. And Coach Mayall has always done a great job. I mean, there's guys all throughout the season dropping with injuries and things like that. So this is a little different uh, with it being honor code. Uh, but it's it's, an, it's you go about the same way as if he got injured. You just somebody's got to step up and you keep playing and. Uh, once again, Bronco Mendenhall will, will play to the strengths of his defense and, and find ways to maybe not expose uh, the, that new linebacker, whoever whoever fills in. Chatting with David Nixon, former BYU linebacker and uh, NFL linebacker for several years uh, here on BYU Sports Nation. When it comes to the honor code, Brandon Davies in that situation shed a lot of light nationally on what it is that BYU represents and how strongly it feels about it. Um, and it will resurface with this, I imagine. Uh when it came to the relationship with Bronco Mendenhall as a player, um, and uh, n- not not that any individuals have you know certain mistakes or whatever that that come out besides this, but what was your relationship like with Bronco in working through uh, not non football issues uh, in your life, uh, not only as kind of a a mentor but your actual football coach? Yeah, so I was I was really close to to Coach Minhall uh, throughout my career there at BYU. He recruited me when he was defensive coordinator um, my freshman year, 2003, uh, and then I got off my my mission, and he was then the head coach, and we've kind of remained close ever since then. Uh, but you know, Bronco understands kind of the nature of, of football and, and, and the nature of life outside of football, and. You know, we—I was part of—I was fortunate to be part of the leadership council of the football team, which is a. Um, for those that don't understand what that is, it's basically a council of uh, every position group, and the defensive captains meet with Coach Minhall uh, various times throughout the week. Um, and sometimes we had uh, meetings where we'd have players who were um, in trouble with the honor code would come in there, and and us players almost had sometimes their fate in our hands, and we would be the ones to vote what they need to do. Uh, to get back on the team, to get back on the field. Um, obviously, that was separate from the honor code because honor code kind of trumps everything But uh, in the university. But as a team, we were the ones that kind of dictate you know, what, what were the rules and, and what they need to do to, to, to you know, become a, a member of the team again. And it was really interesting watching Coach Minnell. He's very forgiving, and uh, he understood that everyone makes mistakes, and he wanted to give everyone a second chance. And... Uh, you know, it, it, was, it was always interesting watching him because I think oftentimes us players were much more strict um, on our fellow teammates that would go and goof up, and we'd want them to have longer suspensions, but Bronk would step in and say, look, I, I think we should be a little more lenient and let these guys back on the field because, you know, everyone deserves a second chance. But, um, you know, I, I think he goes to bat for the players, and, and especially in instance like this where, you know, Spencer is, is, has been around the program for a long time and, and, and they know each other quite well. I imagine you know Coach Minhall is uh, is trying to mentor him, and you know more than anything, I, I'm proud of Coach Minhall. He sticks to his guns, and he teaches accountability, discipl- you know, accountability, discipline, effort, and and uh, this is one of those times where these guys have to stand you know accountable for for what they've done. And I think Spencer probably is very remorseful of what ha- what's happened, um, and Coach Minhall is going to do everything he can to get him back on the field and, and get him back on the team and and a part of him. So uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but. Uh, the team will rally around uh, Spencer and, and, and rally around together and, and come out as hopefully just a stronger unit. Talking with David Nixon, former NFL player, former all-conference defender in the Mountain West Conference for BYU. David, what's the demeanor of the locker room like right now after something like this happens? You mentioned that you've been a part of uh, some of these uh, discipline scenarios, whether it be honor code or breaking just team rules. How, do the, how does the team respond to that, and, and what's the morale like at this time? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I think every situation is different. Um, you know, when I was there, we never had really any big earth-shattering news kind of like this that uh, that went down. Uh, but we, like I said, we had some guys who were, you know, your back of your second or third team were guys that goofed up and some were kicked off the team and things like that, but didn't really affect the team too much. 
Uh, although it, there's no question that that affects that affects the guys because at the end of the day, that's one of your teammates. Even if they're a practice squad guy or a third stringer, it's it's one it's one of your own. And so to have one of them uh, be affected by you know the honor code or whatever it may be, as players and as at the time when as team captain and part of that leadership council, you feel guilty for not having stepped in and helped them out and and seeing you know predicaments they were in to, to try to help them and, and get them out of those situations. So there was some ownership that players take upon themselves that man, I should, have, I should have been a better teammate to him to help him out. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, everyone obviously makes their own choices and, uh, you know, he goes about and do their own live, but lives. But, uh, you know, I, I think as a team, you, you can either go two directions. One, you can let it affect you throughout the week and, and really just kind of uh, drop your head and, and say, you know, why does this have to happen to us? Or you can rebound and, and, and kind of, you know, help the next guy step in. If it's Austin Jorgensen, um, if it's Manoa, you know, whoever it may be, Tyler Beck, uh, you, you help that guy along and, and the whole defense rallies around him and, and helps them learn the defense and calls and, um, you know, helps them any way they can because there's no doubt that, you know, going from a second stringer to all of a sudden a starting position on rivalry week against Utah, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of pressure there. So um, my, my guess is those guys are going to rebound. It's going to be a tough loss, but they understand they're going to get him back later in the season. Uh, but they've got a huge game at hand, uh, one that they need to win badly. So, uh, you know, my, my guess is that they're going to rally around those guys and uh, be ready for the Saturday. David, when you played Utah, 2003 is the 3 nothing game. I was on my mission, almost cried when I saw that email. <laughs> 2006, the drama with Beck Tarlene. We'll talk with John Beck here in a few moments on BYU Sports Nation. Seven. Uh, fourth and 18, Harvey Young's run, and then 2008, uh, a game of epic proportions where BYU is ranked 14th, uh, Utah 7th, uh, Utah wins in that one. What's maybe your uh, funnest or fondest memory from playing Utah, one of those games? You know, I I have, uh, yeah, I have very contrast memories of the um, robbery and the fact that, like you said, 2003 was just just the worst, losing three to zero, especially that year because we had a great defense. I think we ended the year as like the twelfth best defense in the country, or maybe even top ten. I can't remember, but and it snapped um, the the uh, scoreless streak for BYU scoreless. that was the NCA yeah, record. Yeah, I mean it, it makes sense. That game was just a complete blizzard. Uh, I was mentioned yesterday um, that we couldn't even see the coaches on the sideline. They, they <laughs> wow, them the they called in the defensive plays. Uh, Coach Minhall does, or his assistant does. And it was such a blizzard that we, we couldn't see 30 yards to the sideline to the point where we had to start calling our own defensive plays for a few drives there because we honestly couldn't see them. So um, it was just a blizzard. It was the worst. It was freezing. So that, that's, and then, of course, we lose 3-0, to zero and they, they kicked a, a, you know, a field goal to, to win the game. It's kind of one of those, come on, come on, man. But uh, <laughs> no, that, that was one of the worst. But I say one of the best for sure is, is, is 06 and 07, I think, uh, both of those were were just epic finishes, and um, I remember row six. You know, Kelly Zapinga, uh, who's obviously now the linebacker coach, and Brian Kill and I, we were down at the far end of the sideline, just sitting there, just holding hands, praying that something would happen, and sure enough, it did. And man, we we threw our helmets, went running all over the field, and to celebrate up there on the, the Utah's field was is, is quite the memory. But um, you know, it's it's a fun rivalry. It's 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 something that. The whole entire community is involved with. Um, former players are involved with. You know, you're texting, and you know, when I was playing NFL, we I, I was on teams with uh, Utah, Utah, you know, t- former Utah uh, players, and uh, we talk all sorts of smack to each other and and have friendly wagers on the game and things like that. So um, it, it's a fun rivalry to be a part of, and and, and you know, I'm, I'm expecting a great game this year. They're all great finishes, and uh, I imagine the same will happen this year too. David Nixon, thanks for the insight into the uh, Spencer Hadley situation and, of course, the epic BYU-Utah rivalry that will finish, at least for a couple of years, uh, this Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Perfect. Thanks, guys. All right, David Nixon, former BYU linebacker, uh, giving us his take on just how the Spencer Hadley suspension will affect BYU and who needs to step up to replace those huge shoes coming up on BYU Sports Nation. Former BYU quarterback and the guy who threw the ball to a wide-open Johnny Harleen joins us next. That's right, John Beck will tell us if it was all part of his plan to draw the entire Utah defense away from Johnny in the end zone. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. 
And now, back to more Sports Nation on BYU Radio. But that Harleen play just ripped the heart out of the chest <laughs> of every youth fan. And it was beautiful. <laughs> ESPN college football analyst Trevor Maddich describing just how that John Beck to Johnny Harleen throwback felt as he witnessed it. Uh, a few a few days ago right here on BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Also join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Our next guest played quarterback at BYU from 2003 to 2006. He was drafted in the second round of the NFL draft by the Miami Dolphins. Has also played with the Baltimore Ravens, Washington Redskins, and Houston Texans. It is John Beck. John, welcome to the show. Uh, what's going on this morning? Not much. Just uh, I'm about 45 minutes removed from surfing this morning with Mark Hill Staffieri. So Mark Hill Staffieri, nice. And you're in San Diego, right? Yes. You were surfing this morning. Not many of us can say that. (laughs) No, it's a good way to start the morning. So, John, obviously it's rivalry week. BYU Utah. Uh, You know a thing or two uh, about this this heated matchup. can you kind of just give us your insight into why this game this year uh, will matter so much to both BYU and Utah? Well, I think it always matters, especially within the state. I know, you know, growing up in Arizona, I grew up with the Arizona-Arizona State rivalry is the biggest one. But once you experience the BYU-Utah rivalry as a player, you know, now when I think of rivalry, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I don't think there's anything better, especially from a player standpoint and knowing now I believe, aren't they going to go on a two-year hiatus, right, of not playing? Yeah. So this is going to be the last time that these teams see each other for a few years. For those guys that are like sophomores on BYU's team, this is it. This is their one opportunity to play Utah because they're going to go junior and senior season not playing them. So for for sophomores on both sides, this is it. This is their, you know, one game. You were here on Saturday for the Texas game, correct? Yeah, I was. 550 rushing yards, and BYU's offense just looked like nothing we had seen before. Your impressions from the Texas game, uh, I assume, from the sidelines? Well, I thought it was unbelievable just to watch. You know, um, Obviously, any team that puts up that type of rushing yard, be it BYU or not, that's an unbelievable game. And, and you know, dominating up front. You know, we have some pretty electric runners with the backs and, the, and our quarterback, but no matter who you are, when you run for that many yards, you have absolutely demolished up front their front seven. And, you know, I had never experienced a game like that, even as a fan, just watching somebody run over somebody that many times for that many yards. So, you know, and I thought it was huge, especially for a team that has some young players in some key positions, not only to win, but to completely dominate, especially in the run game. They always say, you know, you want to give yourself the best chance to win a game, run for over 100 yards. <laughs> when you run for 500 yards, you're annihilating the team. <laughs> Ball game. Yeah. Yep. John, it's an obvious question, but when we have to go there. The 2006 throwback to Johnny Harleen. We had Johnny in studio a few days ago, and he gave, his, uh, gave us his insight into the play. Was it all part of your master plan to roll to the right, draw everybody back uh, <laughs> with you, and then sneak it over to Johnny? How did that play develop? You know, the play in itself was just kind of backyardish. I think that's the word that I used right after the game. Um, and it really did play out like that. The only thing going into the play, I felt really good when we broke the huddle that something was going to happen. I didn't know what it was going to be. But, you know, I had been in some situations before where we had come up on the other end. Uh, and I felt like having gone through those experiences and having been able to learn from them, I felt very prepared for whatever I could do, I would find something. And my only thing was just as long as I can stay moving and stay on my feet and give my time guys to work, something hope would pop open. Now, I didn't anticipate having to, you know, shuffle to one side of the field, run to the other side of the field, throw it back across the other side of the field. There's no way I could have, you know, thought that that would happen. But that's the way it played out. And, you know, I called Johnny every year and thank him for going against the scramble <laughs> rules and running the other direction because realistically what Johnny did there is backwards from everything that you're taught in practices when you do what's called scramble rules. When the quarterback moves, you flow towards the quarterback, either downhill, downfield, but you throw, you, you move to the side the quarterback's thrown to. So for Johnny to sneak 
where he started on the right side of the field and ended up on the left side of the field. And I'm sure that's why the defense just had no idea he was back there because everything flows towards the quarterback. And as defenders, I'm sure they're just trying to keep a feel for who's flowing towards the quarterback. And then there's, you know, Johnny going the other direction. So it was great what he did. It was great how it all ended up. If if you throw it to the side you're on and Beck's over there or uh, Harleen's over there by himself, we'd be laughing at how silly that might have been. But yeah, it ended up really awesome. Uh, uh, Spencer and I worked uh, at a local TV station at the time called iProvo, and our our uh, producer there, Dan Ransom, he took the photo from that game where you're on your back in the lower left and Harleen's on his knees. I've got that blown up in my kitchen, like <laughs> three by four by three or something. I don't know. It's awesome. But at what point when you let go of the ball did you realize we did it? Right when I jumped to throw it, I knew, hey, like if this goes, like game's over, we we, we win. But when I got hit and I was falling so far the other direction, actually when I'm hitting the ground, I grabbed a hold of my legs to try to see through my legs because I was worried that it was when I, when I saw Johnny go to his knees for a split second, I thought, oh my gosh, this ball is either not going to get to him or he's going to slide on his knees and be one yard outside the goal line. You know? That would be the worst um, situation ever. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But when he caught it and stood up, I knew we just did it. I mean, so really right as I jumped to throw it, and of course in my head I thought game winner. But then when I got hit and I went to the ground and I saw him go to his knees for so that split second, it kind of held my breath a little bit and then. Obviously, it was just pandemonium after that. I mean, you know, just our whole team erupted. I'm just like jumping into players' arms. It was, you know, it was awesome. But there was a split second there where I'm like, oh, crap. Hey, John Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here on BYU Sports Nation. After that play happens, there are a number of crazy events that happen. Can you talk about the media blitz, namely, uh, that, that occurred after you, you hit Johnny for that throw? Well, I couldn't believe how fast they got to the field. Um, I mean, I had I, I jumped into a few of my linemen's arms, and then I kind of started walking towards the end zone, and Mark Atawaya, who was our assistant running backs coach at the time, came over and just gave me, like, the biggest hug. And then Jason Beck, who was my backup at the time, who's now the quarterback coach, he was just grabbing me like, that was amazing. And all of a sudden, boom, there's, like, microphones right in front of me. Um, and it was like, how did these guys get on here so fast? And then, I mean, I'm doing interviews, basically. The referees are, like, blowing their whistles, and then our, our wideout coach is, like, running out on the field screaming, we still have to do the extra, like, we have to line up and take a knee for the extra point. And, like, I'm giving interviews as the coach is, like, talking to me. I mean, it was just, it was amazing how quickly the media got onto the field and was just all over the place. John, I covered the San Diego Chargers for three years in Southern California. I had an opportunity to get to know Eric Weddle pretty well, and, and we would joke about that game, and he'd said, you know, that one, that one still stings. Every day I think about that, but he always said, I'm happy that it happened for John. You guys had a nice conversation after the game. What happened between you and Eric Weddle? Well, I mean, Eric, he's one of the most unbelievable people I've ever met. You know, I always tell him, I said, Eric, dude, I, I don't know how you were able to do that after the game. Like, I've been in games where I've had my heart ripped out, and you don't feel like sitting there saying, you know, yeah, that hurts, but I'm pretty happy for the other guy. So, I mean, it takes an impressive person to be able to do that. And, you know, the, the conversation that we had walking down the field, people ask me all the time, what did you guys talk about? And actually, it was about fishing. Because <laughs> no way! Earlier, yeah, because earlier that summer... Um, a friend of ours, Dan Beardall, who kicked for Utah, and he was a friend of mine, a friend of Eric's. We were going fishing together, me and Dan, and he's like, hey, you know, Eric Weddle called me, and he'd like to come fishing with us. And I, I said, no. I'm not going to let Eric Weddle come fishing with us. Like, we're going to be playing against each other. He's like one of the main guys on their team. I'm the quarterback of my team. <laughs> no. I'm not, you know. So anyway, when I, like, have my hand on him and he has his hand on me we're, and we're laughing, we're saying, well, I guess we can go fishing now that this is over. Oh, that, that is fantastic. That's, that story is priceless. That's great. Yeah, no, it, it's funny. You know, I mean, Eric and I joke around about it because we still haven't gone fishing together. We live by each other here in San Diego, and we keep saying sometime we're going to go. But That's right. You're in the same just, city. We, yeah, so we've had our families at the beach together, and we bump into each other sometimes golfing. But, yeah, no, we haven't gone out fishing yet. 
Who's the better golfer, John? I know Eric's like a six or an eight handicap, isn't he? Yeah, no, he'll dominate me. I'm <laughs> listen. If I was a golfer, I wouldn't be going surfing in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. We're t- uh, chatting with BYU uh, former BYU quarterback John Beck. Uh, so I looked up the play and just reminded myself of a few facts here. I want to throw out some trivia to you and see if you know some some stuff about the BYU Utah game. I'm going to ask you a couple questions here. Okay. Name the five receivers on the field on the last play. Uh, Matt Allen, Bryce Malika, Zach Colley, Johnny Harleen, and Curtis Brown. Correct. Not nicely done. Who lifted you on his shoulders? Uh, Jake Bauer. Yes. How many TD catches did Harleen have in the game? I think one, two, three. Three. John Beck is three for three. Three. How many TD passes did you have? Four. Correct. And passing yards. Last question. How many passing yards did you have in the game? Oh, jeez. Probably like 375, 378. 375. <laughs> nailed it. John Beck, five for five. He's still got it. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you know what's the bad thing, guys, though? You can ask me those same questions about the TCU 51 to 50 overtime loss, and I can answer I can answer everything about that one. You can ask me the Boston College overtime loss. I can answer everything about that one. You ask me any of the ones in my pro career. Sometimes it's good to have a good memory, and sometimes it's not <laughs> good memory because I wish I could forget about those things. Speaking of your, your career right now, John, I know you recently had a couple of tryouts. Uh, looked like you may get onto a roster. What are you working on now, and, and what's the future for John Beck and his family? I'm still believing. Uh, I'm actually heading to a workout right now. I, I still train all the time. You know, it's definitely been a roller coaster that I did not expect, and it's been a very hard one on myself and my family. But, you know, so is life. I think one of the biggest things I've had to kind of learn is I've learned a lot about myself kind of a lot about perspective of things in life. You know, I still I still want to win. I still want to play. I still believe that I can do it. Um, I've had to learn a really hard lesson of not looking back in the past and only looking forward to having no rearview mirrors. It's been, it's been hard. It's been one of the biggest challenges because when you enter, you know, like when you get drafted high, you don't anticipate being the guy that gets drafted to the worst team in the NFL. You kind of think, well, if that happens, it's probably going to happen to somebody else. You know, you never – Never in the history of the NFL had a coach ever been fired after one season, and there's no way you think that you're going to be the guy that gets drafted to the team that cans the general manager and head coach right after the first. Yeah, season. how do you prepare it's been for a that? A lot of those, you know, it's been a lot of those. I never thought that when I worked for all those years, believing something good was going to happen, and then I got named the starter for the Red for the Washington Redskins. I didn't think I was going to have five of my ten starters around me injured that are keeping. You know, it's just it's been a, a weird one because it always seems like, wait a second, why in the world is all this stuff happening? But at the same time, though, um, I've learned a lot of really good lessons, and I still love playing football. I would give anything to be able to get back out on the field right now, and I'm just hoping and praying that I can catch a break and something can happen. I, I thought it might have been the Buffalo thing when I got the phone call. They told me I was going to go play in the game up there. I thought, wow, this is going to be awesome. And then from the time I got on the plane to the time I landed in Buffalo, some things changed um, with their decisions. So, you know, you can only do so much. You, you can only control so much, and as bad as I want it and as much as I've worked, I still want something to happen. I still think maybe something can. So the dream is still alive. Hopefully I can catch a break. Well, we hope you uh, land on a team, and uh, you know, we, we hope for the best for you. We, we want to ask you our poll question, John, uh, on BYUTVSports.com today. If you could ha- only have one, would you rather beat Utah or end the season nationally ranked? You know, uh, of course, beat Utah. Um, you know, it, it, that's a funny question because we always hear that it's the most important game and that's the one that matters most, and some people might take sides on that. But in reality, it kind of is. I can't tell you the difference having won that game. Now, my year might have been a little different because of the fashion that it was won in. You know, for BYU fans, we hadn't beat Utah in a few years. The way that it came down at the end of the game where Rice-Cycle Stadium was going crazy because they thought they had just scored the winning touchdown with a minute, like, 19 or 17 left. So then to all of a sudden come back and win it, that was a huge one for us to fashion happen. But, you know, I really think that that Utah game is such a big game within the state. I'm sure it's huge for recruiting purposes, but the fan base, I mean, it's just, that's the biggest game in the state of Utah for the fan base. And you feel it. You feel it when you win. You feel it when you lose, and it sticks with you. And um, You know, now here's the other thing, though nationally ranked, you know, I mean, shoot, if you win 10, 11 games and beat Utah, you feel pretty good. If you only win three games that season and you beat Utah, well, maybe you would take a little bit more wins, you know, so I don't know, but I, I say beat Utah. 
John, you accomplished so much in your career at BYU, and you obviously understand Coach Mendenhall and what he does. Given that backdrop, have you been able to talk to Taysom Hill at all and uh, kind of talk to him as he progresses and starts to learn uh, this new system and, and really taking over the reins as quarterback? Yeah, I have. I actually went this summer. Every year I try to get back to BYU and do a few workouts with the team. Um, and I was able to go back and throw with Taysom. I actually knew Taysom's older brother, Jordan, pretty well when we were both coming out of high school. And he was a big BYU recruit when I was getting recruited by BYU. So I kind of know Taysom's family a little bit. So I I have spoken to Taysom. I've thrown with him before. I've talked to him a little bit about quarterbacking. You know, Taysom is such an unbelievable physical specimen. I mean, it's I, you know, I've been in the NFL for six years and been around a lot of football players. He's an unbelievable athlete, and he has a lot of talent. And I've just tried to talk to him about some of the things that if, when I was a younger player, if I would have known earlier. Um, my situation was unique at BYU because there was coaching changes happening so fast. We changed offenses so many times. One time, one season, uh, you know, Gary Croton was the head coach, quarterback coach, and offensive coordinator. And there were times during our season where, you know, quarterbacks, we weren't doing drills on the side or we weren't, you know, having a coach in meetings with us. We would just watch tape by ourselves. So a lot of the stuff that I learned was stuff I had to do on my own. And I always kind of looked at the guys that kind of had a veteran guy in front of them or a coach that really knew the system well to coach them because you just progress so much faster. So I've always felt like if I can help those guys out, I want to because I know what it's like to be there trying to be the quarterback at BYU where there's a lot of pressure to perform at a high level and you don't and you're like you're not really getting the best, you know, coaching. You're not really progressing that fast because it's just there's so many other factors. So with Riley I did the same thing and you know, I just try to give him little things here and there, not too much to think about, but just like the little things that can make a big difference. And Taysom picks up on him really fast and when I threw with him this summer I was very impressed of what type of thrower he was for the type of athlete he is. You don't see that very often. That combination is very rare. And I know that they started out the season having a little bit of struggles in the passing game. But if you know the passing game and you see what's happening, they're really a lot closer than how it may look. Um, It's not really going to take more than just a couple games of things clicking and all of a sudden, boom, it'll just take off. John Beck, former BYU Cougar quarterback and really a hero in that BYU-Utah series. We appreciate the time, my friend, and I'm just going to throw this out there. For the sake of all Jacksonville Jaguar fans, I hope that team calls you because I think you could help them and in a hurry. I hope you get a better team, but I want you to be in the league. Yeah, seriously, if you guys want an honest answer from me, I hope Jacksonville doesn't call I've already, I've already been through that experience. And I tell you what, the absolute worst feeling you can have as a quarterback is going through the week of practice, trying to give it your all. You get back in your truck in the evening to drive home. And you know, even though you're trying to hide it and convince yourself otherwise, you know your team's crappy. Oh, man. That is not, that's not a fun feeling. I try to go out there and play pro football confidently. It's just it's a tough one. But I will say this, though. I've often wondered why have I gone through some of these things Maybe some of the lessons I've learned that you only learn by being in hard situations. Hopefully, if something can happen in front of me, and maybe it puts me in another tough situation, I've had to learn some really hard lessons being in those situations. And sometimes in the back of my head, I think maybe I can help a team in a situation like that because that's that's something that I've experienced, and I kind of know what you can and can't do and what hurts you in those situations. So, I mean, heck, if they call, I ain't going to turn them down. But, you know, it's a hard situation to be in. John Beck. Great interview. We appreciate the time, my friend. Go Cougars, and uh, we wish you the best of luck in in your NFL pursuits. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Great stuff from John Beck. We'll revisit that in a moment. But coming up, former BYU linebacker and current member of the Washington Redskins, Brian Keel weighs in on Spencer Hadley, the Redskins' season, BYU in Utah, and when he first saw Ziggy Ansah and what he thought. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation on the home of the BYU Cougars, BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio with Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton. Saturday, we've got BYU and Utah football covered. Pre-game on BYU Radio starts at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Pre-game on BYU TV starts at 9 Eastern time. Oh, yeah. 
All right. The game is at 10.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. Post-game coverage is on BYU Radio and BYU TV immediately following the game. We just wrapped up an interview with John Beck, hero of the 2006 uh, you know, game with Johnny Harleen and played in the NFL. Great insight. The best of which, in my mind, was the story with Eric Weddle. That Utah's safety, he's still in the NFL with the Chargers, considered one of the best safeties Highest in the NFL. safety in the NFL right now. There you go. You, you got to know Eric. And he says that, what, what was their conversation about? After, we're talking about fishing. What? <laughs> yeah. That was great. Wait, wait a second. You were talking about fishing. I love that during, so during the summer prior to that, John says, yeah, I, you know, with the former Utah kicker, we were going to go fishing and said, hey, Eric, what wants to come? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's one of their main guys. I don't want no. to come fishing with us. Fail. No. Yeah. And so now after, after the game, after the dramatics of all of that. They're talking about fishing. They're talking about, hey, I, I guess now we can go fishing because we're not, we're not on opposite sides. But what a classic ball. move uh, and classy move by Eric Weddle to be happy for John Beck in that moment. And John said, I don't think I could have done that. If it was the reverse. Eric is a fantastic human being. Yeah. Choice, individual. I, it's, whenever I'd walk into the Charger locker room, because we knew each other on a personal level, you know, I'd always kind of hide behind one of the lockers and just say, Utah stinks. <laughs> and he'd poke his head up and be like, what? He's like, oh, I knew it was you. <laughs> but uh, real, really good guy. Um, and uh, not surprised that uh, he said that. And, and even still to this day, like you said, it, that one stinks. You know, I... I beat BYU three times as a Utah player, but that last one always stings. The only caveat there is John Beck. I, I was happy that he won because he, prob- he probably needed that more than, more than I did. Let's update the poll results on BYUTVSports.com. If you could only have one, would you rather beat Utah or end the season nationally ranked? It's dipped a little bit, but beat Utah still leading at 58%, nationally ranked at 42%. Our next guest played at BYU in 2002, then from 2005 to 2007. He was an all-conference linebacker in 07 and has played six seasons in the NFL with the New York Giants, St. Louis Rams, Kansas City Chiefs, and now Washington Redskins. We welcome Brian Kild, BYU Sports Nation. Brian, first and foremost, where are you watching the BYU-Utah game on Saturday? Man, it's going to be tough because um, we have meetings in the evening, and so I, we, we, we'll be at the hotel the night before the game. I'm hoping that I won't miss too much of it, but uh, I should be watching it in my hotel room. Brian, in your, mind, in your mind, what makes the rivalry so unique compared to some of the other college football rivalries across the country? Well, I mean, it's tough. You know, I don't have much experience personally with some of those other rivalries. Um, they definitely nationwide get more more cloud or notoriety than BYU-Utah, but uh, just personally growing up in Utah and being entrenched in it and then playing in it when I was there, um, just from what I could tell, I think it's just as good as any of those other rivalries, and it's it's just fun. I, I loved it. I loved growing up. I grew up in Salt Lake. I was surrounded by red, and we were always Cougar fans, and I, I just loved going to school and arguing with those guys all week <laughs> long. I loved getting our thump down on the Utes on Saturday and then the whole next week in school smiling at all those guys. So <laughs> it was fun. I just I loved it. Brian, Jerem, Jordan, Spencer Linton here with you on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, I sense a similar buildup to the 2006 game in that BYU has lost three in a row. At that point in 2006, BYU had lost four in a row to Utah where there was just more on the line, not just for this season but for the previous seasons uh, building up to it. Do you get a similar sense going into this year's game that guys like Kyle Van Noy and Cody Hoffman sent, have that uh, greater sense of urgency because of those losses? They should. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in that locker room, so I don't know what they're like. But, man, if, if I was those guys, those guys have never been, beat Utah. That would piss me off. Um, that, I, I would have some serious motivation if I was those guys, especially, you know, being seniors. This is the last crack at it. And uh, you can't go four years through BYU and never beat Utah. I mean, that's just terrible. So if, I'm not in that locker room, but I, I can only imagine how, you know, they, they should be chomping at the bit, foaming at the mouth. Brian, give us a quick update on uh, your NFL life. Uh, what's the toughest part about playing in the league, other than obviously the physicality of it all? Oh, uh, I don't know. Probably just it's, a, it's a business now, and they make weird decisions that don't make sense, and uh, you just got to roll with it. Um, it. It's interesting the way the way things work out, but uh, you just keep fighting the fight and uh, and realize it and. Uh, and uh, just roll with the punches, basically. I mean, you listed off all those teams that I've been with. I would have loved to have been sitting here in my sixth year and have been in the same place the whole time. That would have been nice, but for most guys, it's not the way it goes. 
Spencer Hadley uh, suspended for a minimum of five games uh, announced yesterday. He plays a big role with those linebackers. Uh, what do you expect from the BYU linebackers with uh, maybe other guys that need to step in and the strength of Broncos defense, which has been next guy up and let's let's uh, play good defense regardless of who's in there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough loss. He's a great player. Um, and you never like to see under any circumstances a, a starter – Go away, but uh, you you hit it. It's it's next guy up, and it, it's cliche, and 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 we say it all the time. But I mean, it's really how you have to have the mindset. And I look at myself when I was a young guy, and I never really got that opportunity. I didn't become a starter till I was a junior, and you know I should have started earlier, of course. But uh, I never I never started until I was a junior. And when, you know when I was a freshman sophomore, I you know rotated a little bit, but I never started, and. I I would have just loved that opportunity to, to to showcase what I could do, and so whoever you know whoever gets the opportunity now, you know, stand up and, and and take it and run with it. Brian, we asked a poll question today to our BYU Sports Nation followers, and that is, would you ra- if you only have one, would you rather beat Utah or finish the season ranked? Again, you can only have one. What do you think? Um, finish the season ranked. You would you would I agree mean, with Jerem Jordan then? Yeah, I agree. The season's more important than that single game, although that is the biggest game of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the the biggest game of the year. But I mean, there, there's some more particulars. Is that your only win of the year? I mean, you're go <laughs> one and eleven, and then or, or or you know, finish in the top twenty-five. I mean, then it's no question. But I mean, depending on the scenarios, but um, I definitely don't put the whole season you know, into that win or loss over Utah. That being said, if there's one team I want to beat, it is the team up north. Wrapping up with Brian Keel on BYU Sports Nation, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the matchup with Ziggy Ansah's Detroit Lions this week for you. It's going to be fun. It's always fun to see guys that uh, are fellow Cougs, and, and especially that kid. He's just, just such a joy to watch, just to see what's happened with him and and uh, I, I still, I will never forget the time a couple years ago when he just first got on the team, and I was standing there in the spring, next to Kelly Papinga, who you know was coaching, and and Kelly's like, "Look at this kid," and you know he points him out to me, and and I'll never forget it because Kelly's like, "Man, if that kid could learn how to play, he could be pretty good." <laughs> he knew I mean, it. The he kid got drafted number five overall. Give me a break. I'll never forget it. He pointed me out. He's like, look at this kid. Doesn't even know how to put his helmet on. <laughs> it's just a crazy That's story. That's awesome. Hey, Brian Kill, thanks so much for the time. Good luck against the Detroit Lions and a continued success with the Washington Redskins and your NFL career. Thank you. I will take it. All right, thanks to Brian Keel for joining BYU Sports Nation. Great stuff from him. The first time he sees Ziggy. This has been this has been a banner show for us. I generally with interviews, I gauge them by how much I learned in those interviews, um, and we learned a lot from John Beck and Brian Keel today, guys that were uh, integral parts of BYU's return from from a couple losing seasons and really set the stage for what BYU's done the next couple years. And it's a great week. I love this week. I, I tweeted yesterday that I'm going to miss the build up next year, the next two years. Uh, to this week, I think it's I think it's fun. I think the rational discussions are fun. The irrational and crazy Instagram videos that might be out there about stuff. I think that's that's what, wild. What would you be referencing, Jerem? I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, great guest today, David Nixon. Uh, giving great insight on uh, the locker room situation and how BYU needs to respond to the Spencer Hadley suspension. John Beck breaking down the throwback to Harleen, and then of course Brian Keel on Ziggy. Just fantastic stuff. You can listen to that pot or to that interview. Those interviews on our BYU Radio YouTube channel that will be posted in a few hours again on BYU Radio's YouTube channel. And tomorrow, Brett Kiesel of the Pittsburgh Steelers will join us. And Aaron his Roderick. Beard. Utah passing game coordinator and receivers coach and Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougars. You know, but you know what time it is, right? What, what time is it, Jeremy? Time for the Cougar Whip Around. Let's do it. Now, here's the Cougar Whip Around. Women's volleyball. BYU defeated previously unbeaten Utah in five sets last night at the Huntsman Center. Booyah! Cougars won the fifth set 15-12, led by Alexa Gray's 15 kills on the night. Next up... A conference opener with number two ranked San Diego Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Soccer. 
The 11th-ranked women's soccer team hosts Oklahoma tomorrow night, 9 Eastern, uh, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The Cougars scored 10 goals the first three games, or 270 wow. minutes. Since then, one goal the last 297 minutes, and it was a penalty kick. Golf. The men's golf team finished in fifth place at the Husky Invitational Tuesday to open their season. Joe Parkinson tied for second at five under for the three-round tournament. BYU now preparing for the William H. Tucker Intercollegiate in Albuquerque, New Mexico next Friday and Saturday. Well done, volleyball. Good luck to soccer and nicely done to the men's golf team. Today's uh, rise and shout goes to sophomore outside hitter Alexa Gray. Led BYU in women's volleyball last night. 15 kills versus Utah in the five-set win in the Huntsman Center. Alexa Gray gets today's rise and shout. Love it. Boy, she is a sensational sophomore player. She's awesome. You, if you haven't seen her play, Friday against San Diego, great opportunity as one of the nation's top teams come in to play at the Smithfield House. Okay, time for BYU banter, and we hit up Twitter for that. Jerem, start us off. At not not do that says hashtag ranked. In reference to the poll question, which is, if you could have only one, would you rather beat Utah or end the season nationally ranked? Ranked. At Sky666. We're not going to touch that one. (laughs) Uh, But I will read the tweet. Don't think you end ranked if you lose to Utah. There's all sorts of scenarios where that happens, of course. You could could lose three times and probably be ranked. At uh, Homie T. That's just mean. Yeah. (laughs) That's a mean question. Why can't I have both? At Blue Helm Mustard, most years I would say nationally ranked, but after three losses in a row and the two-year break, just beat Utah. Seriously. Uh, at Dev Burr 10, that's an easy question. End the season ranked. And we go to at Kook Thunder. That's like asking if you could only keep one of your two children. Which one <laughs> would you keep? Well, which one do you like the most? Yeah. <laughs> at Ben to the Future, only a top 15 ranking would feel better than beating Utah normally, but not this year. The losing streak needs to end. So many good tweets. At D Hopkins with a Z. Beat Utah, no question. Even if we're ranked, we're still going to go to the same crappy bowl game. <laughs> <laughs> D Hopkins uh, weighing in. At uh, Crawltum. Beat Utah. Yeah. At 7 Geno 9 finish ranked more important nationally, especially with big names on the schedule. In the end, Utah will not be ranked. Nailed it. That's I agree with that one the most. At Dallin1234, why does Utah only look like a national contender against us? Nobody else cares if we beat Utah. Yeah. At, Hashtag beat Utah. At OC My Home. Ranked. Bigger picture, people. <laughs> at Liberal Drew, beat Utah. BYU will lose at least three other games, so beating Utah is a must. Yeah. Okay, at BYU Insider, pretty easy. Uh, people are idiots if they are okay having a bad season and beating Utah over being ranked. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, we're basically saying, does the season boil down to beating Utah or, or being ranked? In my opinion, being ranked is the only national context you have now without a conference title. And so, to me, it's being ranked. Final poll results look like this. Let me update them. If you could have only one, would you rather be Utah or end the season nationally ranked? 58% beat Utah, 42% nationally ranked. BYU Sports Nation has spoken. Yeah, I kind of want to know what the poll would be if it wasn't BYU-Utah week. That's true. We did ask the question on the week of BYU and Utah. But that'll do things for us here at BYU Sports Nation. Big thanks to our guest lineup today, David Nixon, Brian Keel, John Beck. Fantastic stuff. And everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU Radio Station Manager John Shaline, Production Assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King, and our engineer Aaron Evans. If you couldn't tell, it takes a lot of fabulous people to make a fabulous show, and we are certainly appreciative of what they do. If you missed any of this, check out BYU Radio's YouTube channel. This entire show will be posted very shortly. Again, archived episodes of the show on BYU Radio's YouTube channel every afternoon. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation.